Welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales and our series uh, Characters in Livestock. We are this week, as always, sponsored by Harbro, um, manufacturers and suppliers of quality livestock nutrition. This week in our series of Characters in Livestock, we speak to a well-known face around the shows and sales, a bull buyer, past auctioneer, radio presenter, general raconteur, Liam Muir from Orkney. Liam, welcome to the podcast. Oh, well, glad to be able to speak to you, yeah. And, and Liam, I, I believe in, in your past you were an auctioneer and, and you farm, I'm right, at uh, Upper Onston, would I be right, Stenness? Uh, yeah, uh, aye. A couple well, hundred acres. Where, just where is that in Orkney? Uh, not very far from the town of Strumness. We're right on the main Kirtle Strumness Road, but we've only been here, I've owned the farm here for about 20 odd years, but we, we only moved here about uh, nearly 11 years ago. We farmed, first of all, at Midhouse in uh, Corrigal and Harry. I got the tenancy of that on leaving the school in 1974. I was very lucky to get the tenancy of it from a, from a relative. Sure. And uh, we lived there for uh, over 25 years, like. And then we still have the farm there. In fact, we managed to buy it uh, a few years ago as well. And uh, But uh, we didn't own the house that was on the farm at... Uh, at Midhouse it was rented as well, so we decided to build a new house and extend the stadium down here at Upper Anston, so that's where, uh, and it was slightly more central for our business. And I, I was mentioning that you were an auctioneer, was that in your, your younger days? I don't think you still, you still uh, run the gamble well, there? I've been, in, been involved in livestock marketing for about 42 odd years, first 12 years as an auctioneer and the last 30 years as a, as a livestock agent. So, and, uh, and farming all the time as well, obviously. And where would you be auctioneer then, back back in, in uh, Kirkwall? No, it was doing it at the, the small market in Strumness. And, 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 uh, but you can, livestock uh, industry was changing. There was more cattle going dead weight and sheep as well. Things you can, were, the shipping was, in a, it was more centralised in, in Kirkwall later on too. It, just, it was a lot of different things. We'll come on to just how Orkney is much uh, is so much different than the the rest of the farming on the mainland in a, in a second. And but your own farming enterprises say you'd finish a lot of store cattle there. Would that be on on on, on local feed or grass? How, how does that work? Well, we uh, we don't we're limited by the amount of uh, steading space we have. We keep about forty suckler cows for sale, which is mostly Lemmy Belgium crosses and a handful of pure limbs. But uh, we buy in oh, anything from 100 to 120 cattle in the spring, graze them and sell them uh, in uh, Orkney Auction Market in Kirkwall right through the well, September and early October then you can. Uh-huh. And you'll be feeding those on local feed because it's some, something that we, people, our listener has to recognise is because Orkney you still have a 100 odd miles of water across between you and the mainland and a lot of feed has to come across from the mainland making yeah, it but, a little bit more expensive. Can, uh, we can grow spring barley here quite uh, quite successfully. Like we we grow usually a two twenty and twenty five acre of spring barley. The straw is as important to us as, as the grain really, okay? uh-huh. and uh, we usually prop corn it. And Orkney uh, is pretty much not completely self sufficient in in grain, but uh, but pretty much so, yeah. Okay. Okay, and as a livestock agent, as you said, you, you'll we'll go on to the bull side of it, but you handle a lot of dairy calves, I think, uh, sold off the island? Yeah, there's, there's still 14 dairy farms in Orkney, and we supply calves, uh, replacement calves to farmers, 
both in the outer areas Orkney and some of the outer isles and uh, a lot of calves goes over to Caithness and Sutherland as well like if somebody in Betty Hill loses a calf they phone me and and we get a calf over to them for uh, as soon as possible to put on their cow okay Okay, it's a, an emergency service. And let's just, uh, our um, regular listener, we have a lot of listeners in Scotland, obviously, that know where the Orkney Islands are, but let's just have a little bit of a chat about the, the layout of the Orkney Islands. And I'm, you'll, you'll give me the geography better, but you're, you're obviously off the north of Scotland by, by a distance, and it's made up of one main island and then a number of islands. Give me a little bit more of a, of a geography around the Orkney Islands. Uh, well, it's uh, the, the mainland of Orkney and then... We have the uh, the South Isles, Hoy, Flotta, the the islands of uh, South Ronaldsey and Bury, and the uh, two other smaller islands were all joined up with the Churchill Barrier in the wartime, which uh, was a big boon to to South Ronaldsey and Bury and that. Mm-hmm. And then in the North Isles, there's some of the biggest and best farms in Orkney are out in the North Isles, Stonesey, Westry, Sandy. Uh, it's a uh, big farming island so, uh, some excellent land especially Stronsey and, and Lake Shapensey is a very good farming island too like some of the other ones smaller ones Eaglesey, Wire, Rousey maybe more mixed you can but uh, some very good land in, in Stronsey especially like, you can. so we're talking, talking what some 20 islands maybe all together in, in the archipelago well it, it wouldn't be as many as 20 inhabited but it's uh, there's um, there's quite uh, quite a vibrant uh, farming population in the outer islands and, and what size the mainland just again for our listener what sort of size are we talking length and width oh well I I picked up two calves from uh, Berrydale in South Ronaldsey today and from my home down to Berrydale and back was a round trip of 60 miles mm-hmm. so you can you can go from the tip of the north coast up in Bersey down to South Ronaldsey would be I suppose nearly 40 miles like yeah. you can Okay, and some of the islands, of course, would be only maybe a mile or two across and and, and, and wide. Some of the inhabited ones, would they be? Yeah, well, like if you go to, go to Rousey, well, Rousey is only about half an hour from the mainland, 25 mm-hmm. minutes maybe. Same with the uh, Sharpen Sea, but if you want to go to, like, so Westbury, Stone Sea, Sandy, it's about an hour and hour and 40 minutes on the, on the Roro ferries that run back and forth. Eighty would be a bit less, it would maybe be just fully an hour. Would there be regular ferries running backwards and forwards between the islands there that are geared up for for the oh, livestock yeah. market rather than the tourist market? Well, they, they used to be taken in on, on the cargo boats uh, loose, but now they, they all come in on, the, on livestock trailers and, and lorries and that. Okay. And uh, we're about an hour and a half, hour and a half uh, from mainland Scotland as well, like it, and uh, Hour and a half from Stromness, maybe just fully an hour from South Honestly, There's two different ferries run. And they run from, from Wick? No, uh, Scrabster, Scrabster, which is the port of Thurso. Uh, or Gills Bay, which is just near Chonagroats, would be the two terminals in Caithness that would be used. I remember when I went up there, I went from Invergordon, which is obviously much further south of the Okaga, but it used to go on an overnight. Ah, yeah, well, that, that, uh, that bit of dust, that they finished, but... Um, most of the livestock, though, would be uh, go on uh, livestock containers from Kirkwall right down to Aberdeen. Most of the livestock would land up in Aberdeen. That's where uh. their, our biggest uh, customers would be based in Aberdeenshire and sure. Angus, uh, right down as far as we wouldn't buy our flies up to Orkney, right from near Linlithgow, like. So. Okay. 
I remember the Orcaga boat being just on there being a pub right next to the to the, to the ferry terminal. I'm sure you've been there, and everybody going there get absolutely pissed and then fall onto the boat. And there was a a lot of uh, oil rigs parked out off off the side of that as well. And there was a, it used to be quite a hive of entertainment in that wee pub before the ferries used to used to sail. Uh, well, uh, I never used that very much, really, to be quite honest. It was yeah. more the the Strum the Scrabster on the on the Kirkwall Aberdeen routes would be would be the um, more popular with me, really. Again. Okay. Let's go on to to what a lot of people will mainly know you for, and that is for a, a bull buyer. Always at the purse bull sales, sterling bull sales, and you'd buy a number of bulls a year for all the Orkney farms, and uh, you've been doing that for for a long while there, um, um, Liam. Well, I, I, the, the first bull sale I was at doing it in the Caledonian Road in Perth would be in 1976, that October. I went down with a friend of mine and, and he bought a Angus bull that day for his, for his dad, he, uh, for Jim Garrick. He now farms down in Aberdeenshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next October I went doing was 1977 and I bought a pedigree out short-term heifer that day from Fraser Stock Ranch at Drummond for uh-huh. 340 guineas. And I think the first bull I bought would be in about 1980-81 for a client that was a short-term bull from the McGowans at Fingask at Dersey and Fife, and he was oh. 700 guineas. <laughs> and, and I'm still buying bulls for the same same farming family today yet. <laughs> so, so it must have been all right. So you're going to say for the same money there, but then maybe not quite, especially not short on there. They're a bit harder to no, buy these days. <laughs> but, uh, no, and, uh, but uh, as I say, we enjoyed the, the the bull sales were really something to go to when they were at Caledonian Road. You can, mm. uh, the, it was all based around the middle of Perth, all the tails, B&Bs were all based around there. Uh, everybody was staying in a in a very small area then, and and uh, the market was tremendous, and the uh, the nightlife and the and the camaraderie later on was tremendous as well. <laughs> the atmosphere, fantastic! I do remember it myself. And of course, back then, uh, Liam, the bull sales in in October would all be in one week. Probably the February as well would all be in one week. So we'd have the you'd have the the, the Angus and the Shorthorns on the first day, and then moving on and finishing the Charolais on the last on the end of the week. So you'd have a pretty much every breed to to go at while you were down there. So I guess that's uh, how your orders be- would pick up a little bit that you could buy them all in one week. Uh, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The Charlottes used to be Thursday. That's right. And, uh, oh no, you had, a, you had a full week of it. And, mm. uh, well, first, the first sales I went to, there was very few Continentals at them. The, mm. There was big strings of Angus bulls and short-term bulls, and there was just a few Continentals up at the top end of the market. Mm. <laughs> so things have changed dramatically since then, all right. Well, you wouldn't have missed many sales, so you'd have seen that evolution yourself of the, of the Angus has been pushed back, and of course the at one time the heyday of the Charolais and the Simmentals would be would take up a big part of the old market before it moved to the moved down to uh, um, yeah, and, to, and, and just just take me through the. I mean, you're talking 1981, so we're talking what 40 years now of buying bulls there. What what breeds you'd be buying bulls for clients on on the island? What breeds did they favour back then, and how did that sort of move from one one breed to another and 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 back again, maybe? Well, it, it was really, well, about this, it was mostly, I guess, or, or a, and a few short ones that you bought, and and we started dabbling away in a few uh, Charlottes, again, uh, uh, 
the limousines and cementals maybe came in just slightly later, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they've grown in strength since. But there's been a big resurgence in traditional breeds this last while again. Mm-hmm. I was only once in Edinburgh. I was when I played in the dance band and we were doing playing to the you know, Shetland Association in, in Edinburgh and I, the Hereford sale was on at that same time in October and I went to see it. I never bought a bull in Edinburgh but it, I was there once and saw it kind of style but, uh-huh. but uh, that would have been very much in the when the Herefords would have been on the wane by then I would say. That would be Goggy, would it? Yes, aye. Mm-hmm. Cliff Bosomworth, aye. Of course. Uh, and, and as I said, the Shirley's amongst your, your clients on Orkney will maybe go on and sort of chat about some of those, the farmers on Orkney and, and, and uh, I remember being there and seeing some of the best cattle I think I've ever seen in my entire life based on Orkney and, and somebody saying to me that you know we've got to sell all our animals across the water and it costs us much money to send a, a good one as a bad one so we might as well have a good one, I thought that was always a, a great a great remark but they they moved across to the Charolais as a stock side didn't they um, I suppose mid 80s because you'd be getting a little bit extra weight in the bulls and there'd be a be a big change about uh, around about that time late 80s i suppose oh yes i will uh, the hereford went out quite quickly it, it was they were so popular and then just suddenly it just seemed to be a an era so a couple of years and they just seemed to disappear entirely and, and uh, the continentals came in principally the charley but quite a few semis came in uh, later on too for folk breeding cows a bit but the Orkney cowherd was pretty much Aberdeen Angus based for a long time with a wee mix of short term in it here and there and, and uh, they nicked quite well with the, the first continentals coming in again and as I mentioned, the, the your livestock needs to go across the water. No, no abattoirs on uh, on Orkney. Maybe they would have been going back the way. So a lot of lot of the finished animals, all the finished animals, would need to go back across to the mainland. And what kind of costs would there be to? Ship? We'll maybe go into the costs in, in a second of, of bringing things in and out. But uh, what sort of cost would it be per kilo to put a beast across to to the mainland, across to Aberdeen Mart versus uh, versus well, the if local boys? We were shipping a beast uh, down to Aberdeen Docks at the moment. It, the uh, store beast would be kind of about the twenty pounds uh, for a cow. Would be slightly more. A bull could be um, could be sixty, seventy odd quid. Maybe you can up to a hundred. Maybe you can. Mm-hmm. But they charge per meter the amount of space they use in the livestock containers. Ah, right. Okay. So, so maybe your smaller sturks maybe work out a wee bit cheaper and your bigger ones a bit dearer, but that's roughly the figures involved. But uh, of course there was an abattoir in Orkney for a while, uh, Orkney Meat Ryan one, and before that the, the council had uh, had Slaughterhouse um, and Strumness and one in Kirkwall just for the local needs, and, but unfortunately there's no abattoir here now at all. The, the cattle that they uh, need to for the butchers they uh, have to go down to Monroe's at Dingwall and come back up again then they take them back up in a refrigerated lorry again. Okay, so as I said all your all your all your killing animals are shipped uh, shipped off the island and at extra cost and, and, and would you be right in saying what I mentioned earlier on that the quality of livestock would be better on Orkney than it would be across most of the rest of the, of, of mainland UK? Would is, is that a fair statement? Well, I'm not wanting to brag about Orkney stock, but yes, I would say so. The, the Orkney farmers have always been very fussy about keeping their cow herd good. You can, uh, they always say if they're well bred, they're half fed, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's very important in Orkney here when we, we don't really have a big arable option, and we're, we keep a lot of sheep in Orkney, but we're not really so sheep-orientated. We're just 
thought me men are pretty focused on producing good beef cattle, and yeah. and that's why we get oh, anything from twelve to fifteen, sixteen buyers flying up to Kirkwall on a Monday, right for all the special sales, and right through autumn to buy top quality store cattle. Like Taking them back, yeah, back in into back into Scotland, probably back out back down in England as well, I guess, and. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I'll be right again in saying that you, as a bull buyer, you'll be the right man to answer this question. But generally, the the Orcadians will will happily pay top dollar for the bulls, and and very often I've seen them bidding the the pedigree men for for the bulls that they want. When they, when they see one, they're quite happy to realize the bull is half the herd and uh, and and deep in the pocket for them. Oh yes, the the, the, the farm have always been uh, been quite happy to to pay a good price for a bull. But you must remember, you must give all. This well, any farmer always likes value for money, so you must give him as good a bull as you can at the at the best price possible for for his pocket as well. You can. <laughs> and you'll you can't be... compromise in quality, but you you like quality without having just to pay completely through the nose for it. Sometimes exactly as as, as many people have said on this podcast that uh, you don't go to a market and spend as much money as you can. You could spend as least money as you can for the best quality you can get. And and, and going on with the bulls that you'd bought. As I said, it, it's you know, been your, say, your main trade, but you've been at, you've always been at every bull sale that I've been at. And what number of bulls would you be buying, uh, Liam, annually or average annually? By bulls, would you be buying? Well, in, in it would rent? be one in about about fifty back and forth, I suppose. In in, in the year, you get between the, uh, going to to Stirling, New Carlisle, Finston. And bulls buy quite a lot of bulls privately as well. You can, but you? I prefer I prefer buying them at the main breed sales. You get the best selection, and it's always the be- best bulls that generally goes to the main breed sales. And I think it's uh, I always prefer buying them in the ring at that main breed sales. And of course, you get a chance to see them as well at the main breed sales. Uh, Braided in the ring, and I'm sure you don't go there just to buy all the champions and the prize winners. But I've been alongside you, and you, it's a slightly different type of bull that you would buy that suits your your customer base, and maybe just everybody wants maybe just that thicker type. And sometimes they be they might not always be in the tickets. No, it depends on, on your clients uh, who you're buying for, what type of cows he has. You can if he is if he is kind of um, maybe. Cement, cement type kind of cows. He he would maybe want a, a thicker bull, you can. And if he has uh, a lot of Angusy kind of cows, he might need a kind of bull with a wee bit more leg under him and a bit of more length to him to to complement that. You can. You, it it depends an awful lot on your client what you, what type of bull you're needing for him. Sure. Sure. And, and we've seen a little bit of a rise in the demand for short-horn bulls across the country, for and the Angus as well, I know, but there's now um, finishing schemes for Morrisons and various things amongst these. Is the short-horn starting to become back more in demand? And if so, are you managing to get the right quality short-horns on the number that you need? Aye, there's, there's, a, there's a fair variation in the, in the short-horns. You, know, you can... Uh, I don't... Uh, I don't like them just... Uh, well... Some of the short-term breeders knew would go for a, a very maternal type one, maybe a slightly deeper kind of bull, maybe hardly so fleshy, but it's all very well breeding the heifers, but you must sell the steers as well. So I like a more middle-of-the-road one with a wee bit more shape to him maybe and, and watching the figures for for the milk and that as well. You can. Mm-hmm. And if we can get a bit, little bit individual here, can you recall me a bull that you bought, the, the cheapest thing you ever bought, that bred really well, and likewise the dearest, because it never bred anything. Is there any, any particular ones you want to single out? Well, 
certainly a bull that bred very well for us home here, and we got a lot of nice show type calves. Remember, we we show quite a, a few beasts at our local shows here. Uh, it was a, a very modestly priced bull I bought at Thinston one time uh, called Emsley's Auctioneer, mm-hmm. and uh, from Harry and Linwin, and uh, he bred extremely well from us for us, and he was bought at a, a, a an extremely modest price. Shall we say again? It's not always sometimes the deer bulls that breeds the best sometimes. I'm, I'm right in thinking that a calf off of that one, didn't didn't it go back into the, the show circuit and maybe won a prize? Was it at Stars or at Thainston somewhere? Did a, a show calf yeah. back from that bull? I, I think we'll, we had calves that did quite well at Thainston off them anyway, you okay? mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've a bull at the moment that I bought in Carlisle, a bull bred by Proctor's doing there. Uh, North England and Proctor Ryan after Hamlet and he were very delighted with the calves of him and mm-hmm. I think he was he was about four and a half if I remember from the guy again but but uh, again as I say you just need to try and, and get a bull that you think will neck with your, your cows as well as possible yeah, yeah. And, and and you mentioned a few show calves of course that, 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 that you've bred yourself and there will be a lot of show calves in fact going back the way you mentioned Harry Emsley Harry Senior I think won Smithville with a Orcadian show beast going back into the middle 80s I would say but there'd be a lot of still be a lot of decent show calves that would come uh, come out of Orkney and, and people there looking for them and there'd be I suppose you'd be the agent to Finding those and shipping them back down the way, yeah, Liam, you're on both sides oh, of the camp. Quite, quite a few of them goes to do, like uh, Balfour Bailey does quite well at the, at the like, so Aberdeen uh, Spring Show and things like that, and September Spectacular, but, uh, um, no, no, there's, uh, we've, we've sold quite a few show calves that have gone on well. Uh, my son-in-law, Joan at Allenfold, and his dad Archie did quite well with a steer and a heifer that they bought off me here the other year. We got some quite nice tickets doing in Carlisle and mm-hmm. and uh, and at the Scottish Winter Fair at Lanark after that. And Harry Brown from Ochmalady uh, was steer champion at uh, at the Christmas Classic with a steer we we bred here mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago as well. Like you can, mm-hmm. so um, you can and Jim Peters, the late Jim Peters from West Bog, quite a character was Jim. He mm-hmm. uh, he won four for with a bullock that we bred as well. So we're always always been. Trying to breed something nice. Sure, and I picked up a snippet uh, somewhere on on you, Liam, that uh, you run a lot of cattle yourself and shift a lot of cattle in, and it takes a lot of paperwork. But uh, you're not a man for the computers, and uh, do, do you not get somebody else involved to do to to do your paperwork for you? I were SAC in Kirkwall. They have offices just right across from the the market in Kirkwall, and. Uh, I would buy cattle for myself here, put them on the grass, the SAC picks up the passports, I give them the numbers the day, maybe the weekend before they go off. I would never handle the passports at all. It, it's And uh, they do my IACs, things like that, and for all the, the few hundred pounds it costs, I think it's great value and you know things is done properly and when it should be and it takes a lot of pressure off us to to get on with the business and, and farming as well. You can. <laughs> a lot of farmers would uh, would be very envious that you had somebody that local, that efficient, that can handle that, because uh, paperwork obviously is a huge part of, uh, of the job and getting harder and harder. And if I can talk about, uh, before we run on to a few stories maybe about Orkney, talk about just more recently the, the rising costs of everything there and, and the cost of fertiliser coming back across the way there, everything having to come in by boat in and out there. Is it starting... Is, is, is it affecting you guys maybe more because your cost of your transport is going to get higher as well as your cost of, of your shipping coming in and out there? Are you feeling the pinch? Well, the fertiliser is dear, but 
it's the fertilizer cost it wouldn't be so bad for they they can land whole boatloads of fertilizer here direct from the factories whether it's on the continent or or wherever the fertilizer's coming in they can just take a whole boatload into into the docks in Kirkwood and load it so we're not really paying that much more than than the fertilizer would be doing in mainland Scotland due to the fact that the boats come straight in but if they've come up by lorry and things like that, it can add considerably to the cost. Like uh, uh, and the cost of feed, is a similar thing, you said you're fairly self-sufficient. Yeah, but there would be, well, obviously, uh, protein supplements, minerals would all have to come in, uh, a certain amount of uh, uh, stock feed nuts and things like that, you can dairy feed, and it would certainly add oh, maybe 30 to £40 pound a tonne at least onto mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, 50 pounds. Couple that was shifting animals back out there, leaks into the margins, didn't it? Yes, and and uh, obviously the, the transport costs you can for taking livestock out, and even from the outer islands, it could cost them twenty five quid to put a beast mm-hmm. in from say Westry into into Kirkwall to sell, and then another twenty quid to put that beast down to Aberdeen again. It's uh, mm-hmm. you're starting to to. <laughs> amount of a lot of cash again it does start to mount up a little bit on the cost of those at the moment those shippings of course won't get won't be going down it'll be going up the way with the price of fuel and everything else and just just move on to the the show side of you being a man that's been involved in 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 the showing circuit you've judged just about everywhere in the country um the british isles probably more i guess but uh, you have your own show there on Orkney. in fact you have a couple of shows there on Orkney. i think there's a show on Chapman's eyes are not, and there's certainly the, the county show in Orkney, and that's a, a fantastic affair, isn't it? And you'll be highly involved in that. Well, we were, uh, well, I'm a vice president of the county show at the moment, but we have a whole week of shows. It, it starts the previous Friday with the Sandy show in the North Isles, and then on the Saturday it's the East Mainland show, then on the Tuesday it's the Chapman's show, mm-hmm. Wednesday is the Sir Ronald and Burry show. First is the Doonby show, which is our local show that we show at, and then everything comes together then on the Saturday again then for the county show. <laughs> and the Sunday you'll all have a headache, I'd imagine. <laughs> a very big headache usually, yeah. I'm very but tired. I, I've but, been uh, I've been at the county show and it's a fantastic event, isn't it? I mean the quality of the stock and the numbers of stock as well. You guys get you get you get big numbers in there and you normally get judges from afar and uh, some fantastic shows uh, classes of stock. Well uh, the difference is like all the all the and the run up to the county show you're you're showing it your confined show. You can like the only show we can show it is Doonby. Every show is confined to their own area. And then okay. we all come together on the Saturday at the county. Right. Uh, and we show well most folk the show shows fair numbers. It's not it's different from the show seen doing in mainland Scotland whereas the same few beasts could be out every Saturday at a show somewhere. Uh-huh. We only have that two chances for local show and the and the and the county show to show it you can so I'm seen as but on anything up to I think the most we cattle we ever cattle we ever showed at one time was about sixteen or seventeen maybe but <laughs> and then we would cut that down maybe to maybe a dozen or or so for the uh, the county show then on the Saturday but uh, it, it enabled you to because there was a lot of specials for groups and things of four calves or three cattle buried by exhibitor all that kind of stuff you can so that it allowed you to enter a lot of that we'd put calves yearlings and maybe an old breeding beast as well you can but straight away that gets the listener to realize that it's not just a few cattle turning up the county show really is you're talking hundreds hundreds of cattle oh, there aren't you know, big classes mm-hmm. oh yes i i noticed in the 
Scottish farmer a few weeks ago. They were, they were featuring uh, Duncan Semple from Dippon there, and he uh, he judged the commercial cattle at some of them at the county a few years ago, and he said that he thought it was a wonderful show, and uh, he, he would go every year if it wasn't so far away, he said. So I thought it was... <laughs> It was uh, praise indeed coming from a, a yeah. man of his calibre. Yeah, certainly, certainly, and you've had some recognised judges certainly up there over the over the years, and and uh, and rightly so. They all come away, they all come away with uh, with awe of the cattle are there, and then most of them with a hangover as well. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's it's not quite the whiskey Olympics. I've been told somebody else somewhere else is that, but it's uh, it's uh, a good drop of Highland Park there goes along with the goes along with the show. Uh, well, Miss Old has been famous for its hospitality. <laughs> I was fortunate to be over there with uh, staying with my friend uh, uh, Richard Zavadsky on the, at Balfour Mains when I was there, and uh, great hospitality I had from there. Sadly, no longer there. But uh, the first time I I was supreme champion at the county show, and you know, I won the county three times. And the first time was with a, a black uh, Limousin cross steer red by Richard. At the county show, that was one win there. How did the other two uh, two wins there go? It's it's a great achievement winning those. Well, we we won it the the year that the uh, Cameron Stout won the Big Brother uh, House competition. You can we showed a very good black steer that year called Cameron, and he was also very friendly with a a young lady that was in the Big Brother House with him called Steph. And the one year we won the Doonby Show in the first two with a lovely roan, Limousin Cross, Earline Heffer, who named Steph. And then we went on and won the county on the Saturday with a, a black Limousin cross steer we called Cameron, so it was quite appropriate at the time. <laughs> and then the last time we won was with a, a, a nice uh, black Limousin cross Earlene Heifer showed by my daughter Alison, and uh, we called it uh, Emily. Emily, you should say, Emily. And... Uh, it won Doonby, and then it went on and won the county on the Saturday. And I was particularly pleased when it won that day. For it was it won interbreed in front of the, the judge uh, Neil Massey from Blaylock, and mm-hmm. everybody thought, "Oh, Neil is bound to go for a pedigree beast." But uh, no, he went for her cross heifer, and he said she was the most uh, correct, best moving, best fleshed beast in the ring. And I was I was extremely proud when when it came from a man like. Uh, like Neil. Neil, yeah, indeed, and of course there would be some good Angus cattle on uh, on Orkney, some top Angus herds in there. I mean, I know we see the Angus uh, boys, Ronnie Sinclair and, and and Colin Davidson, of course, and some some top Ang- Angus herds there, of course, on on mm-hmm. on, on Orkney, and some great cattle. Oh, no, they're, they're always, uh, Orkney's always been uh, been very keen on black cattle. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we move on the shows, and and with the experience that we've heard about already, with you buying uh, and buying bulls, and obviously. Um, supplying and showing uh, crossbred cattle there that take you to to become a judge and I would say you'd probably I know a lot of judges people have judged a lot of cattle around about the place and uh, I can name spring to mind like you uh, and McPherson and such like where they're forever traveling until they're never at home but uh, Liam you, uh, uh, any idea how many shows you have judged because you've you've been everywhere that I that I can think of well, I'm, I'm judged twice at the Royal Highland. I'm judged uh, three times at the at the Royal Welsh. Uh, the first time I judged, I judged the commercial cattle there, and uh, the the reserve champion in the commercial cattle that day was a l- lovely little red heifer from Dye Thomas, and I was delighted then when she went on and she actually won the, the Smithfield that year. I, I dressed that beast, so I knew it well in 1993. Fair chuffed about that, and uh-huh. also that, that year I thought their cattle were 
well, they were nicer shaped, they, they were smart, and I inquired as to who a lot of them was bred, and, uh, and they, they'd started using the, well, the Belgian blue, it's British blue, they call them new, but they'd mm. been using Belgian blue maybe slightly earlier than, than maybe folk had been doing further north in Scotland. And uh-huh. I went home and I um, bought three Belgian blue cross heifers from a boy that had been dabbling in EI, and uh, the, one of them was just an ordinary kind of coup. The other one was not bad, and the, and the third one was an outstanding breeder, and she she would have been uh, the granny of the beast that we won Doonby in the county with Emily Hefferlake. And, okay. And uh, I just, uh, we just went down that road there, and they're trying to breed that kind of Lemmy Belsham heifer for a cow, like you can maybe three-quarter, be- uh, three-quarter, eleven-quarter Belsham, just, and then just to get that extra bit of width and that in the making. And it certainly worked. It certainly that that was a very worthwhile trip to the Royal Welsh Show for me. A like. little bit of width in the cows. And there always has been a good show of, of, of a good show of all cattle, let's face it, at the Welsh. As you said, you've judged there three times and, you know, a tremendous show of everything and a cross-section of, of, of people as well. A lot of Scotsmen down, of course, at that uh, at that show and a lot of Scottish uh, cattle down there as well. Then, uh, and and uh, But you'd have judged in, in, in Ireland as well, I think. Uh, I would have done, done three summer shows did three summer shows in Ireland and quite a few bull sales over there the shows at Dungannon oh, three or four times now and uh, and uh, there was uh, uh, Richard Beatty ran uh, that Balmoral bull sales for a wee while the judge did one year as well like you can and uh, oh, no, some great times of hospitality over in Northern Ireland is unbelievable like it's always good you seem to go to the place where the hospitality is. Maybe they just think you'll come in and and uh, and tell them a story and sing them, sing them a song while you're there, Liam. But certainly, you, as I said, you get to a, to a lot of events. And the stars of the future, of course, will be another one. I think you did. You just, not just the uh, yeah, interview to that one. Well, I enjoy showing cattle myself, and I like to think that you can you, you try to give good consideration to every class you judge and. And uh, I know some judges, if they get the first three kind of right, they don't worry about the rest of it mm-hmm. too much. But I like to think it's the man that's standing second last in the class. Maybe he, he's, he's good. he would not like to be last either. Like You must give every beast its, it's good look and, and, and it's due. Uh, there's, good, there's, there's up and a down in that one, isn't there? Because very often if you're the last, the, the four that are thrown at the ring, then nobody has to come last. So I hear what you're saying. But yes, you're right. To, to, to do your job properly, you need to play some place them the whole way down the way and, and have a chat with them all afterwards. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you've had a bollocking the same as I have probably by uh, somebody who's maybe thought they hadn't, uh, they hadn't quite, you hadn't quite done them right. Oh no, but you must, uh, you must stand your ground. And I was uh, brought up in the, well, very much in the, in the Harry Young Farmers Club and we did a lot of stock judging and reason giving and, and you must be able to justify your, your decisions. Especially nowadays, of course, they do hand you the microphone and you need to be ready for that, don't you? And uh, and stand and give your reasons before, or certainly give a, a commentary. These days, it's become more of a more of, a, of an audio event, isn't it? Where people like to hear what, you, what you're doing before you hand out the tickets. Uh, well, I certainly have done that at the Royal Wales. Like I did the, the groups of five uh, pedigree cattle there one time, and okay. it, oh, it was quite a spectacle. That's that a fantastic, fantastic show ring full, isn't it? <laughs> but the... The commentator in the in the control box said to me, "Now, Mr. Muir, we we believe that this is the third time that you've judged at the in the Royal Welsh. Do you think that if we take you back a fourth time, you'd be able to see something in Welsh for us?" <laughs> so 
I says, I don't know, but Welsh, I says, I struggle with English a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I, with a the dialect then, but we got quite a clap and a cheer from the crowd. Like. Oh, well. <laughs> good job. Now, that is, that, that team of five is a good one. And you said you judged at the Highland, of course, Perth Bull Sales. Well, the Perth Bull Sales, Sterling Bull Sales, I think you'd have been man in the middle a few times, a few different breeds, I think. Oh, I, uh, Cementals, Angus's, um, we've done short terms, so just different, uh, Herefords, uh-huh. uh, Salayers, I think we've done most of them, like, and, um, it's, uh, oh, it's, it's, we, if you're in the business of buying bulls like what we are, that's the type of jobs you get to do, and, uh, oh, we enjoy doing it, right? we're right there anyway. I suppose so, and of course that, that gives you perfect qualification to be that interbreed judge that you talked about when you are dealing in and working with, you know, five, six, seven different breeds of stock there, and there's, there's, there's very few judges in the country that are as qualified as you to do those, uh, those interbreed jobs when, when uh, you know, a lot of people would air towards one breed and then they'd give everything else the time of day and then it makes it a bit awkward really, but uh, you'd have no bias at all. No, really, no, no. You just have to. You, you it's you want something that's that looks the part, that has that look at me, look about it. You can mm-hmm. wear a smart head, good legs, the flashing right, and and uh, and must if it's a show, it must be a show animal. You mm-hmm. can it has to look the part as well. Sure, indeed. And and you talk about shows. The other show, of course, that you're involved in. You said uh, um, with it with a uh, the Scottish Kelly Group, but uh, you run your own radio show there, or you run a radio show. Have done for a while, I think. Uh, there on. I about twenty odd years, we do the do a Scottish dance music uh, show in the winter time. In the winter months, the Radio Orkney runs uh, runs uh, shows from six to seven in the evening, and we do a uh, one called they call it the da- well they call it the Dashing White Farmer Show. So it's uh, it's uh, we've done it now for twenty odd years, but I've played in and played uh, the box and and at weddings and dances in Orkney since I was. Uh, 17, 18 year old, so we're, and uh, oh, I'm seeing me taking the box down to the bull sales, I'm seeing some fair Kayleys going in the front <laughs> bar of the Waverley some nights with the box going. There'll be a few people remembering that as soon as you mention it, and of course there'll be hopefully no videos, hopefully there were some videos maybe, but I think what goes on tour stays on tour when it goes to the bull sales. Oh, I think in, in that, going back in that days, there was nobody with mobile phones, with cameras in them in that days. Probably just as well. Thankfully, so yes, I can, I can, I can vouch for that myself. There for some of the antics that we got into, and and great crack and great there. And 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 Leah, moving on to your family life, you've got a number of daughters, and I think they're all married back into the farming industry as well. They're not going to run away, are they? Oh no, they're uh, well. The two daughters are, are married south. Alison, the oldest daughter, she's married to Andrew Dunlop, but of staying at bigger among the Bell Texas. Uh-huh. She has a little boy and a little girl. And then um, uh, Jennifer, the middle lass, she's, she's uh, married to, uh, she's the only one that's married to an Arcadian, and, uh, but he's a f- farming stock as well, and so he isn't a farmer himself, an engineer, but uh, they have uh, two little boys, mm-hmm. and then Bryony's married to Joan at Allenfold, and uh, she has the, the two boys and a girl, so uh, we enjoy seeing them when we're down south at sales as well. I usually stay with them at Allenfold when I'm doing it the Sterling Bull Sales. It's only a quarter or 20 minutes from the market, mm-hmm. so it's quite handy. Yeah, and John and, and, and Archie have been on this uh, podcast in, in the past, and I think uh, uh, John and Brian have got some, uh, the youngsters rather, have got some a few pedigree sheep themselves and some, some badger faces. Would that be right? Oh, yeah. So they're, they're, uh, they're, they love their stock. They're always about the, 
the stock at nights when they come on well like um, Matthew's only one that's at the school so far but uh, he's uh, they're certainly out about uh, the livestock plenty when they get half a chance mm-hmm. and uh, they're always out about when they, when they come up here as well and Chon, uh, it's handy you know he I used to do all the clipping now all our show cabs and cattle for the shows myself but since Joan came on the scene he's been helping me out with that I just do the the heads and, and the rough stuff and he gives the puts the five little touches on which is Le- grand as well leave the professionals to it yeah fair enough that's nothing to do with them being better that's just you being lazy isn't it Tony? <laughs> well I'm getting older I suppose uh, older that's the word I'm looking for <laughs> and, and uh, I mentioned sheep there just now and is that something you get involved in I mean you said that your Orkney's maybe not the uh, sheep has a lot of sheep but uh, there's a lot of good pedigree sheep on there is that you get involved in the sheep or are they vermin to you I, well, I used to keep pedigree sheep. We used to breed a few pedigree border leasters first. I started farming, and but then when we used to keep a, a commercial ewes, you came with a few Texas among it. But oh, the, the the sheep dog died, the farm bike died, and the three daughters went off to university. So that kind of finished the sheep enterprise. <laughs> but I think Machine and my wife, she she still misses. She, I think she misses the sheep a bit. Sometimes she enjoyed the lambing and that, and she's a. A very skilled stockwoman as well, like, which, which works quite well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think anybody that uh, that Mrs. Lamon is mis- misguided, to be fair, the few years that I've had with haven't been Lamon, I always thought, bloody hell, I can go on holiday during these few months instead. But, uh, hey, so, Liam, you got a few stories for me? Anything along the lines? Oh, well, just uh, I could probably fill up another two, two programmes with the stories, but... <laughs> Well, the one the one thing that always amused me was uh, the year that Orkney won um, in 1981. We won the Glasgow Herald Trophy, the Orkney Stock Judging Team at the Highland Show. And we beat Clyde and Central by two points, I think. And there is a rumour that uh, two of the Clyde and Central um, members of the team were so disgusted to be beaten by a place like Orkney that they burnt their white coats outside the, the headsman's bar. <laughs> And uh, I I know both of them, well, both of the boys that were supposed to do it, I know quite well. So, I, But uh, there was a rumour that that was the case, like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, and uh, we won, uh, I was in the Harry team that won the senior speech-making competition, national senior speech-making in, in 1980, the year before. And uh, I always get it on him every now and again, but the, I think Perth was second that year with David Leggett in the team. Uh-huh. And I, and I think third was Mocklin with my great friend of mine, the late Jack Ramsey, was in that team. Okay. So we were in some quite good company there. I think Fletch <laughs> was in Jack Ramsey's crowd as well, wasn't he? So, yeah, you would be uh, definitely in, in amongst the, the good company but, then. And uh, the speech, speech making, the thing, but, of course, for young farmers is a fantastic thing that. Uh, mm-hmm. that uh, but it's been it's been great to to see the transition like from the old martyred path through the Ikin to Hunting Tower to Stirling New and and well Carlisle getting a very important centre now as well. You can it's we've uh, we've seen the seen the breeds changing, we've seen the markets changing and it's it's been a great experience to 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 be there and and done it, you'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, indeed, and and still doing it. I mean, I know you were down mm-hmm. at the last Sterling I was at there. You were there. You were judging the Herefords that day, I think, and buying mm-hmm. a few bulls. Yeah, you're still uh, you're still back down there every time with a order book full. Oh well, we try to any way you can. We try and try and give the customer what he wants. Anyway, that's the, that's the the main criteria to follow. Uh huh. And you get a decent bit of spring weather up there at the moment. We've got an east wind coming here. You guys would 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 be used to a bit of wind coming across. 
Orkney. Aye, oh yes, we're, we're well set up for the wind. Our buildings is, is uh, designed to, to withstand the gales that we can get here pretty well. But uh, no, it's been some quite decent days. Um, if I can, uh, I had to go and off and pick up some calves to deliver to some folk today, but I'm hoping to get a clear day now at the end of the week. I might get some, uh, get some dung out. We do do some farming as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and, and what, what number of acres are you farming, just remind me? Well, it's uh, it's 120 acre up at Midhouse, the our original place we still have, and then we it was about 40 acre that, that we bought down here at Aberdeenston, but we've added additional land off to adjoining places uh, to take it up to 120 acre as well, plus some some uh, peat hill and peat banks. Mm-hmm. If the fuel gets there, we'll maybe be back up cutting peats yet. Maybe I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it might come in handy for a bit of carbon cap yet. yet <laughs> could do. Certainly could do. Well, Liam, I'll let you get back to cutting that peat then and, and uh, very much enjoyed your company and your chat and, and to our, our listener, if they want to tune into BBC Radio Orkney for your Dashing White Farmers uh, um, radio show with a few a few reels and a bit of Scottish traditional music. Fantastic. And um, mm-hmm. Liam, thanks very much for your time and thanks for chatting to us at Top Lines and Dales. Oh, well, no bother, mate. Okay. Thanks. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's Top Lines and Tales podcast. Again, kindly sponsored by Harbro, suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition and nutritional advice, and of course, other agricultural inputs as well. And during these uncertain times of spiralling input costs and volatile uh, markets, uh, why not have a word with Harbro and discuss your feeding plans either directly with them or with your local representative who, of course, can be found on harbro.co.uk's webpage or on social media such as Facebook and others. And you can, of course, find Top Lines and Tales on social media, on on Facebook, uh, Twitter and various other places. And on Facebook you will find some photographs, hopefully to back up this and other episodes.